0: destined for discipleship. All right. We gave you the objectives last week, but I do want to remind you of our prophetic our prophetic impression that we've given you. Um, and what we said is that God is challenging you to develop the mindset, the motivations, the maturity, the mannerisms, the movements, the measurements, the management, the milestones, momentum, and trademarks of stewardship and leadership. And so um, when we've talked about We went through that in detail last week, but that's just this is just some reminder pieces there. You know, in my in my Tuesday um, series, I'll start talking to you about stewardship. But I do um, today want to talk about leadership, because from from our perspective, discipleship um, in the kingdom is the way of leadership. Okay, discipleship is the way of leadership. In other words, um, God's intention is that you are leading people in things that you are already doing yourself. Um, That we don't tell people to do as I say and not as I do, but we tell them as the Apostle Paul told his, his followers, follow me as I follow Christ. And Jesus said that those who do kingdom principles and teach others to do them, he would call great in the kingdom. All right. So there are some pillar definitions that I have um, for you here that are very important. Um, when we turn use the term leadership, these are definitions of, that you'll see from the graphics that you have, that we have in Destiny Generation Church. And they're all important there um, because they really talk about why this is important to us. Leadership, say our definition is, is living a life of vision from God value to others, and velocity of good works in your generation. Vision, that's a picture of purpose. Value means you add you add benefit to others, and velocity is going a distance over a certain amount of time. Jesus said it this way, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day, because night's coming. So he had a certain amount of good works to do, and he had a certain amount of time to do it. Discipleship then We call principle-driven teaching and instruction designed to empower for life and eternity. That there are things that are designed to help us to get done things in this life and also things in eternity. Now, one of the statements that we make and you hear me make um, is that last point that we are disciples of the man of God. Uh, We believe in the process of patterning our lives after spiritual leaders who are authentic representatives of their faith. Notice it didn't say perfect representatives. It didn't say perfect. It said authentic, Mm -hmm. right? You don't get here to sit in the seat that I sit because I'm perfect. I never have tried to position myself that way. But I have tried to position myself as an authentic leader. That I am that I'm not um, telling you to do one thing and I'm doing something different that I'm that I'm actually on the journey um, and telling you to come on with me in this journey. Now, that should give you some hope because um, the intention is that you also be an authentic leader of your um, a, an authentic represent a representative of the faith okay. and that others could then pattern their life after you. And so that's why this whole leadership thing is important. And so we talked about a scripture from um, Leviticus last week where where God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, but they needed discipleship to know how to stand up and walk in the direction that he had for them. We talked about the fact that his anointing um, delivers us from... But it also intended to disciple us, too, that he removes burden and destroys yokes. But then he says, take my burden upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right. Then, of course, we have a vision definition. This is a principle definition about destiny. You've seen this so many times. I've said it so many different ways. At times it was a larger definition than this one, but this one simplified it in the way that I want it to be remembered that destiny is the undeniable truth that God has an amazing plan for your life, hidden inside of himself and placed in seed form inside of you. One of the, one of the environmental factors that births, turns that seed into a full grown harvest is discipleship. If discipleship isn't a part of the soil of your life, then you won't be successful in the thing that God has for you, all right? And we gave you four phases in the destiny process. We talked about um, deliverance, you know, remission of sin, not permission to sin. Then we said from deliverance, we go into discipleship where we get regimens of the Savior, things, things, rigors, um, ways of, uh, I know this is, this is the fall season go blue in Jesus name. I did put in Jesus name behind go blue. I did that on purpose. Um, and, uh, but they have been in a certain regimen the whole summer. Yeah. They actually started in the spring, I'm told. Yeah. So just, they didn't start on game day to go in the gym and say, Oh, we about to play the game tonight. Let's go with lift, lift weights this morning. That's, right. That's a little too late, isn't it? Yeah the regimens have to already be in place to give you the divine, the dominion empowerment for revolutionary service. And so that's what I want you to really grasp hold of, is that we're going to talk about some things that you got to put in your life that are, you know, rigorous and regimented so that you can go on to the other phases in the destiny process that the Lord has for you. Our core scripture, and this will actually be um, the core scripture for this series of teachings, it's Matthew 9, 37 through chapter 10, verse 1. And this scripture, um, if you remember our handout that we gave you at the beginning of this year, this was uh, the scripture that was a part of it. And it says, then he said to his disciples, he being Jesus, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Harvest is plentiful. Laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Chapter 10, verse 1 says, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness And all kinds of disease notice when we think about that list that we gave you before, before he gave them dominion, empowerment for service, they were already disciples. Okay. They were disciples. He had delivered them. They were in the process of discipleship following him. And then he turned to his disciples and gave them dominion, empowerment over the devil. So maybe the reason that I'm not as successful in terms of the dominion that I need in my life is maybe my discipleship is faulty, all right? So if my discipleship is faulty, then the empowerment that I need over the devil might not be there, all right? Um, And also note that this empowerment was designed to give Jesus help To bring in the harvest of souls for the father, the Lord of the harvest. Interesting thing is sometimes we pray for souls. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the harvesters are not. He said, don't pray to the Lord of the harvest about the harvest. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest about the harvesters. Not everybody is ready to be a harvester. And you have to have already had a certain level of discipleship in, in process for you to go out and harvest others. All right. The, the challenge is that often Jesus is savior slash deliverer, but not yet Lord. All right. So the term discipleship presupposes that there is an authority whose voice you will yield to even in undesirable matters Matthew 10 24 make sure i get this one in the king james if you have it there not new king james matthew 10 24 in the king james because i, I want to see it this way now coming from and um coming from an uh, african american context this this next one can be a little um it can be a little sharp but it's meant to be sharp okay Um, Matthew 10, 24 in the King James says that the disciple is not above his say the M word master, nor the servant above his Lord. Okay. That word. Yeah. Yeah. Does it mean like, like slave master? Yeah, it does. But it's not talking about a person. I'm talking about Jesus. He paid the cost to be the boss. He paid the cost to tell you what to do with your life. The Apostle Paul, all of them, you know, we're sons, but we are love slaves. He, he he loved us so much that he paid the price to buy us from the slave market to send Satan and even to ourselves. And because he did that, he said, he said, don't, don't you know you're not your own? You were bought with the price. He paid the cost to be the boss. And so discipleship, when we say we're destined for discipleship, what we are saying is that he has, he, he is the person who we dedicate our lives to, to live out our lives according to his principles. See, the New King James uses the term mass, um, teacher, but the King James says master. Now, the term really, um, in its fullest context means a master teacher. Like like a master teacher has an apprentice. Like if you are a master electrician, a master pie fitter, um, the way that they disciple others in the trade is that a master, that an apprentice joins himself or herself to a master and then they begin to learn how to Okay, this is how you handle the tools. This is how you approach a job site. You know, if you deal with a master uh, person, you know, uh, um, sometimes um, I just love to see um, Brother Tony. I'm gonna talk about you. I just love to see Brother Tony put away his bass like he polishes that thing. Not not to get it out to play it. So Sandra, am I telling true? He polishes it not to get it out to play it. He polishes it to put it away. Uh huh. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, that a master understands his tools and they treat them a certain way. And then they're trying to make sure that the person who they're bringing up behind them takes care of the tools with the same kind of care. They want them to understand the nuances of the instrument like they understand it. All right, Master implies a stronger connotation than simply a teacher. People teach you a lot of things that you can opt out of. In reality, we have taken the word disciple, which was a common word and thought of Jesus day, and made it into something that we hid inside of religion. In Jesus day, discipleship was common. A master teacher in Jesus' day was called rabbi in a in a Hebrew context. All right. But master teachers weren't just Jewish people. In Greek and Roman thought, there were also master teachers like Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, and Gamelio. Gamaliel was Paul's Pharisee teacher. He was was considered a master teacher. like He was like E.F. Hutton. When he spoke, everybody listened. Because they recognized him as a master teacher. We are still going to university studying the thoughts of Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates, aren't we? It is the reason why on many college campuses there's buildings with pillars and domes like Greek temples. They make buildings to look like that because they're still following their school of thought of that master teacher. These great teachers would accumulate those who would commit to their teachings and these committed students were called disciples, their teachings would then be the basis of a school of thought. If there's disciples, there must be a school of thinking that those people have gathered themselves around. Got it? Let's look. The the Greek word for for a disciple, let's let's show my definition. The Greek word for disciple is the word mathetes. Same root as mathematics. It comes from the word matheo, which means to learn. A disciple is a learner, a pupil. I have my own acrostic definition of disciple. This is a new one. You ain't heard this one before. Hallelujah. A disciple is a dedicated, inspired student committed to integrating principles for living in excellence. A disciple isn't just a student because some people in college, but they ain't dedicated. (laughs) Some people wasting their parents' money. You you might as well just (laughs) stop putting that tuition out there. Stop taking out them student loans. You're not gonna get the degree to pay them off. And you're gonna be in debt for the rest of your life, and you cannot discharge it through bankruptcy. But that's a story for a different day. Pastor is preaching really good today. All right, um, but a disciple is not just a student. They are a dedicated student. The people who were disciples, those people will commit their life to their master teacher. It, The disciples said to Jesus, Lord, we left all to follow you. Not only are they dedicated, but they are inspired. That means they have an unction, particularly kingdom disciples have an unction, not just from the teacher they're following, but from the God who called them to follow that teacher. They have they have some. Um, you know, the old saying said it this way. There's something on the inside of me telling me to go ahead. Um, if you're really a disciple, I don't have to call you to tell you, ask you, are you coming today? Now, if you believer, I got to check up on you. I'm not certain, you know, flip the coin. Is he showing up today? I don't know, but if it's a disciple, If you're not here, I know something's wrong. Because your practice is to be here. And if you're not here and I haven't heard from you, then I know something's wrong. It's not because they committed to me, but they have some internal inspiration that drives them. So I don't have to be, I don't have to get up and say, give me a J. Give me an E. Give me an S. I have to do that and be a cheerleader to get them to come to church every week. When they're a disciple. Now, when they're just a believer, I don't know, man. I got to call them on Saturday night. You're going to be here. I got to call them Sunday morning. got to, you know, clean their nose, you know, wipe the, you know, clean the diaper, give them a bottle, give them baba to make sure that they come. You understand what I'm saying? So if, but if they are, it, when you to a disciple level, you have your own inspiration. My nephew says something. He says, the dream is free. Hustle sold separately. You got to come with your own hustle. If you're a disciple, you're inspired. You're a dedicated, inspired student. That means you come in knowing that you don't know it all. People ask me, like, <laughs> I've been accused of having all kinds of fathers, bishops, apostles, and deacons. You know, spiritual fathers, bishops, and apostles, they like, I mean, how many of them dudes you got? Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold up. Before you got all these people because you don't know who you are. Child, please. You can't do what I do without having your own sense of who you are as a person. What I recognize is even though I am who I am, who I am doesn't mean I know everything I need to know to be who God wants me to be. So I find people who know things I don't know and who've gone places I haven't gone, and then that I, and I have, and have gone places that I want to go, and then I have them teach me. I'm a student. You need to spend the rest of your life as a lifelong learner. A disciple is a dedicated, inspired student that's committed. Committed to what? the word disciple has the same root we said mathematics but it also in the in the english language has the same word as discipline that means you're not going to get it the first time you try it, it means you got to stay with it committed to integrating principles that's why we say discipleship is about principle-based teaching but then somebody's got to take that stuff home and make it a part of their life and nobody can do that for you but you I wish I could go home and get you excited about opening your Bible and coming to church. But I can't. I I can't. It takes all my life to keep me motivated to do what I do. And so I I run into difficulty just trying to motivate me and I can't spend all my motivation trying to motivate you. All right. So discipline committed to integrating principles for living in excellence. That's what a disciple is the way that these disciples determined in Jesus' day that they were initiating themselves into the school of thought that the master teacher was teaching was through the practice of baptism. It's through the practice of baptism. Baptism, we've turned into just something we do in religion. And there is a religious ceremonial aspect to it. I'm not knocking that. But in that day, Aristotle's disciples might have been been baptized by him, but it was a sign that I am integrating myself into your school of thought. Here's a controversial statement, but very central to us, is that before Jesus began to establish disciples, he, Jesus, established himself As a disciple of a particular school of thought, that's why I don't mind being somebody else's disciple, even though I'm a pastor in my own right. Jesus was. That school of thought became central to his ministry. That thought was the basis of the master teacher that Jesus submitted himself to that master teachers name was John the Baptist. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we know that Jesus was taking them through a school of thought because he told them, to enter this school of thought that had arrived, they had to change their mind. That's the, what the word repent. It didn't, The word repent isn't feel sorry about all the bad stuff you did. That's penance. Not, that's not repentance. That's penance. That's not repentance. Okay, I'm going to hurt myself because I done done bad stuff, so I'm going to make myself feel bad so that I can make myself feel good. That's penance. That's not Repentance repentance is the greek word metanoia and it literally means to change your mind and go in a different direction so that's why we know it was a school of thought and because the school of thought that john preached was so important that jesus even though he came as the master teacher said john you need to baptize me He didn't he didn't need to baptize him because Jesus had done something wrong. Jesus was saying, you are the master teacher teaching on this thing called the kingdom. And because you are teaching on this thing called the kingdom, I'm going to identify myself with that school of thought that fulfills God's righteous standards. So I'm being baptized to identify with you and your school of thought, the teaching that you're bringing forth. Amen. All right. So our definition, got some definitions on the kingdom. Our definition of the kingdom is that it is the sovereign rulership and governing influence of a king over his territory, his domain. That's right, the kingdom is the king's domain, right? Impacting it with his will, intent, and purpose and creating a citizenry that reflect the culture and the nature of the king. The kingdom is the place where the king's word is law. It is the place where the king's word is sovereign and decides how this ground will be ruled and governed. That's why we pray thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is In heaven, as you do it in the palace, let the people do it in your country. Okay. We want the same rulership that you've established in the palace and in the capital city. Because the new Jerusalem is the capital city of the kingdom. As you rule in the capital city, rule in the whole country. All right. The governing influence over his territory, impacting that place with his will, intent and purpose. But also, it's not just us getting God's will done over geographic territory. It's also our lives reflecting the culture and the nature of the king. You've heard it said, love, love your friends and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. He's talking to you about taking on his culture and nature. All right. And so it's not enough for us to do stuff, but we got to, we got to let his DNA come on us so that we reflect the country that we come from. We come from heaven, we need to reflect it. And so I want to be careful that uh, people say, you know, if I was you, I wouldn't take that. Holy, you're not me. You're not even from my country. (laughs) You know, some of the stuff you telling me I wouldn't take, my king may tell me to take it all. People hating on you. You want to hate back. No, no, no. See, that's not that's not your king. Don't like that. (laughs) I'm going to get him back. No, he says vengeance is mine. The king takes care of repaying for his citizens when his citizens are done wrong. He said, don't you do that. He said they talk bad about you. You don't talk bad about them. Don't respond cursing with cursing. But contrary wise, you respond with blessing because you're going to inherit what comes out of your mouth. Not what comes out of their mouth. He's trying to change your culture and nature to reflect his kingdom. He calls love the royal law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love is not a suggestion in the kingdom. It's law. All right. So my acrostic definition for kingdom means is that it's the king's influence and non-negotiable governmental dominion over the masses, over matter, and over the enemy. It's over the masses, it's over people, it's over matter, because God's kingdom can influence physical events to change people's lives. And it's certainly over your enemy. And so what we said is one of our one of our pillars here, one of our distinctives of our ministry is, is that kingdom emphasis and teaching is that we're giving truth concerning the name of our king who is Jesus and the nature of. Of his kingdom, we want to be a people who understand the kingdom school of thought. In Jesus' final days, this was his final stretch of ministry in a certain format before he changed and reemerged in a new ministry environment. He raised; he had been raised from the dead. And um, the ministry was in transition, and um, it was—it had been in one form up to this point. It was transitioning to another point form after this, and he was in a specific window of time where the past wasn't gone and the future had not yet arrived. What would what would he teach during that period? Let's look at Acts chapter one, verses one through three. This is this is the apostle Luke who wrote the book of Luke um, writing this because Luke Luke chapter one starts with the letter to Theophilus. This says the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days. And speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, here's Jesus now his final message to his apostles. Now we know it was the starting point of his message because he, first of all, let John after the scripture we read baptize him into the school of thought. And then he began to preach the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has arrived. So now he's at the end of ministry. He's already, he's risen from the dead. So he's in his glorified body. And for those next 40 days he is teaching about this thing called the kingdom. So it was the start of his ministry and it was the end of his ministry. And so as our ministry is in transition, I'm I'm purposed to end it like Jesus ended it his I'm going to have this period go through this time, and we're going to talk about things that we want to be established in our lives as we transition into our next season. Somebody say amen. Seven quick points on the kingdom school of thought. Seven quick points on the kingdom school of thought. A careful study on of the Gospels and the book of Acts demonstrates that, number one, Jesus aligned himself with kingdom thinking through baptism by its most prominent teacher of his day. That that prominent master teacher was John the Baptist Two, upon commissioning to ministry. After John baptized him, he had went into the wilderness and was um, tempted 40 days after fasting. He came out of that. Jesus preached the same message, which is change the way you think. That's what repent means because the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Number three, Jesus spent significant time on teaching patterns, principles, and prophecies that would bring kingdom influence to earth in partnership with his people. He called them kingdom keys. He said he would give us keys to the kingdom. These keys would allow whatever is bound on earth to be bound in heaven, whatever is loosed on earth to be loosed in heaven. So it it was these patterns and principles and prophecies. That's why you don't get mad with people who mad with you. You just don't do it. You don't do it. You forgive people and you tell them, God, they don't know what they're doing. You don't. (laughs) The Bible says, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. You don't get in the mud and start slinging mud with pigs. You just don't do it. All right. All right. I'm right. That's the kingdom key. Number four, Jesus instructed his disciples when they went, those scriptures after the ones I gave you in our core scripture today. He told them to go preaching that the kingdom of heaven had arrived. Number five, Jesus declared the critical sign of his return was the good news or gospel of the kingdom being preached to the ends of the earth. All right. Number six, often we as believers preach Jesus, but not the message Jesus preached. Okay. That's why I said for us, kingdom emphasis means that we we understand the name of our king, who is Jesus, but also the nature of his kingdom. Because that's what Jesus was preaching. When I preach on the kingdom, Jesus says, I'm Jesus. I approve that message. (laughs) Because he's already done it. Can I get an amen on that? Finally, number seven, Jesus promised those who practice kingdom principles, influence others to do the same and serve the king by serving his citizens would achieve kingdom greatness in his eyes. Yeah, we're going to serve, we're going to be people who practice kingdom principles in our own life That's the thing we're getting discipled by. We're going to influence others to do what we've done. And then we're going to serve our invisible king by service, by serving his visible kingdom citizens. When we do all of those things, we will achieve greatness in his eyes. Come on, let's stand.